As we quiet our hearts to hear God's word this morning, let us pray. God of power and grace, fill us with the wisdom of your word and the understanding of your spirit so that we may be your church, a people with dreams and visions at work in all the world, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Our Hebrew scripture reading this morning comes from Ezekiel chapter 36, verses 25 through 26. I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you shall be clean from all your uncleanliness, and from all your idols I will cleanse you, and I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And our reading from Revelation today comes from Revelation 19, verses 1 through 21. I am reading the English Standard Version translation of these passages today. After this, I heard what seemed to be the loud voice of a great multitude in heaven crying out, Hallelujah! Salvation and glory and power belong to our God. For his judgments are true and just. For he has judged the great prostitute who corrupted the earth with her immorality and has avenged on her the blood of his servants. Once more, they cried out, Hallelujah! The smoke from her goes up forever and ever. And the 24 elders and the four living creatures fell down and worshiped God who was seated on the throne, saying, Amen, hallelujah. And from the throne came a voice saying, Praise our God, all you his servants, you who fear him, small and great. Then I heard what seemed to be the voice of a great multitude, like the roar of many waters and like the sound of many peals of thunder, crying out, Hallelujah, for the Lord our God, the Almighty, reigns. Let us rejoice and exalt and give him the glory, for the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his bride has made herself ready. It was granted her to clothe herself with fine linen, pure and bright for the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. And the angel said to me, Write this, Blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, These are the true words of God. Then I fell down at his feet to worship him, but he said to me, You must not do that. I am a fellow servant with you and your brothers who hold to the testimony of Jesus. Worship God, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Then I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse. The one sitting on it is called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes are like a flame of fire, and on his head are many diadems, and he has a name written that no one knows but himself. He is clothed in a robe dipped in blood. And the name by which he is called is the word of God. And the armies of heaven arrayed in fine linen, white and pure, were following him on white horses. From his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations, and he will rule them with a rod of iron. He will tread the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God the Almighty. On his robe and on his thigh he has a name written, 
King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Then I saw an angel standing in the sun, and with a loud voice he called to all the birds that fly directly overhead, Come, gather for the great supper of God to eat the flesh of kings, the flesh of captains, the flesh of mighty men, the flesh of horses and their riders, and the flesh of all men, both free and slave, both small and great. And I saw the beast and the kings of the earth with their armies gathered to make war against him who was sitting on the horse and against his army. And the beast was captured, and with it the false prophet, who in its presence had done the signs by which he deceived those who had received the mark of the beast and those who worshipped its image. These two were thrown alive into the lake of fire that burns with sulfur, and the rest were slain by the sword that came from the mouth of him who was sitting on the horse, and all the birds were gorged with their flesh. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Good morning. And to the saints at Emsworth, Glenshaw Valley, Mount Nebo, and St. Andrews, a very special good morning. There are a couple things I need to tell you folks that my congregation already knows, but are also important to my message this morning. For the last couple weeks, I've been using our reading from the prophet Ezekiel as our assurance of pardon. The words, a new heart I will give you and a new spirit I will put within you, really ring true for me. About two weeks ago, I went into the hospital for a heart catheterization. My cardiologist found a 95% blockage in one of my coronary arteries and a blockage of 60 to 70% in another artery. At that point, the cardiologist turned the procedure over to a vascular specialist who then placed two stents in the artery with the 95% blockage. I'll go back in a couple of weeks for the other procedure. This whole process has been rather frightening. It started with a walk back in June. During the walk, I felt like I had an elastic band wrapped around my chest. But I wouldn't call it chest pain. I wasn't short of breath. I didn't feel any pain in my left arm or anything. Still, I went to the ER at my local hospital. The doctor there determined that I didn't have a heart attack, but he called for more testing. How bad could it be, I thought. I only felt the symptoms one time, and I didn't feel that bad. Of course, I only learned that my artery was 95% blocked after I got the stents. It was bad, very bad. I didn't have a heart attack, but I could have. It was a close call. It's actually a little more frightening in hindsight. 
I knew I needed to make lifestyle changes before all this happened. I'm overweight. I eat too much and I exercise too little. All of that got worse during the quarantine. And I have a family history of heart disease. My dad died from a heart attack at the age of 69. His father died from cirrhosis and heart disease at the age of 63. My other grandfather died from a heart attack. His second at the age of 51. I'm 48. I eat too much and I exercise too little. All of that got worse during the quarantine. I knew I needed to change, but I thought I could wait a little longer. I made excuses. I'll do this when the gym opens back up. I'll start eating healthier after the quarantine. I need comfort food to get through this. Lots of comfort food. Too much comfort food. I knew I needed to change, but I didn't want to. The book of Revelation is serious. Serious is a heart attack. Nobody wants to change and we all dig in our heels when someone else tells us, you need to change. That's why Revelation confronts us with crazy violent images. That's why it offers broad satire like the Whore of Babylon. John of Patmos is trying to stir the people of the seven congregations, and really all Christians, out of their complacency. He's shouting, wake up, repent. This is a message we all need to hear. We are all complacent. We are all resistant to change. We want other people to change, but not us. We want new young families to wander into our churches where they will be so impressed by how nice we are that they will want to worship with us. This is what we want, but we have no idea if it's what they need. And we don't want to change our own behavior in the process. I saw a meme on Facebook the other day that kind of sums this up. It said something like, how to frighten the new generation. Put them in a room with a rotary phone, an analog watch, and the TV with no remote. Then write the directions for how to use these items in person. <laughs> yeah, I'll admit, I laughed at first, but then I thought about it. Many of us are slow to adapt. Many of us refuse to adopt the new modes of communication, refuse to use the new platforms for communication. We resist the chance to learn 
from young people. Instead, we mock them for not understanding our outdated modes of communication. Honestly, how many of us have TVs without remote controls? But let's set that aside. And yes, I do think that the human voice is better than a text message and that relationships are best when we engage each other face to face. But we have to be the ones to build those relationships. We have to learn to communicate across the generations and meet people where they are. We can only be in relationship with people if we are able to communicate with them. As I said a couple weeks ago, the story of Revelation is the story of God's love for humanity as told by the Marvel Comics universe. It's the Avengers for the people of God. It's a grand opera filled with song and spectacle and great special effects, all designed to get us to pay attention, repent, and return to a right relationship with God. Our reading today sketches out a vision of what this looks like. It shows the destruction of the enemies of the faithful, the whore of Babylon, the beast, and all the false prophets. Chapter 19 of Revelation shows the vindication of all those who kept faith, even if it cost their lives. This chapter reminds us that empire will never have the last word. The first image in chapter 19 is a heavenly choir, the voices of a multitude of people crying out, Hallelujah! They shout hallelujah four times as they offer praise to God and to the Lamb. And if you hear Handel's hallelujah chorus as I read this, then you're on the right page. Revelation 19 is the text for the hallelujah chorus. Jesus is represented in two different ways in this part of Revelation. First, Jesus is presented as the Lamb. This is a recurring image throughout the book of Revelation. Second, Jesus is represented as a rider on a white horse. This is similar to the image of Jesus in chapter 1. His eyes were like a flame of fire, and from his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword, and his face was like the sun shining with full force. It's easy to get fixated on this second image, with the sword and the flames and the face that shines like the sun. We want the Jesus who vanquishes our enemies. But that's not where we find the grace in this part of the story. The grace is in the image of the Lamb. 
the rider on the white horse comes back into the scene to clear the way for the lamb. Hallelujah! There's a celebration in the heavens. For the marriage of the lamb has come, and his bride has made herself ready. Hallelujah! Remember, this is a metaphor. Christ's bride is the church. We hear this metaphor in a lot of our hymns. Think of the hymn, The Church is One Foundation. It's one of the many, many hymns that come out of Revelation. The first verse states, the church's one foundation is Jesus Christ, her Lord. She is his new creation by water and the word. From heaven, he came and sought her to be his holy bride. This is who we are as the church. Hallelujah. We are in a relationship with the Christ. Hallelujah. This is the grace of this story. Through the church, we are in a relationship with Jesus Christ. We are invited to the wedding feast. Hallelujah. What this story, no, no, the entire book of Revelation is telling us is that we have to stay in this relationship. Through this relationship is grace. Through this relationship is salvation. And we all turn away from this relationship from time to time. We all collaborate with the empire from time to time. We all need to repent from time to time and then return to a right relationship with God. What we always need to remember is that sin is not simply a collection of bad or hurtful actions. Sin is a category of relationship. Sin happens when we do things that separate us from God or from one another. And we all do this from time to time. But repentance is not simply stopping the bad acts. Repentance is the return to relationship with God and with one another. That means we always need to be working on our relationships with God and with one another. That means we constantly have to reach out to the people who have left congregations and work on mending relationships. It also means we have to be prepared to enter into relationships with younger people and people who weren't brought up in the church. We have to learn to speak the languages that they speak and navigate the places where they live, work, and play. And we can't dismiss them when they don't know how to write in cursive or use a rotary phone. 
if we're going to share the good news of Jesus Christ with new generations of people, with people who have left the church, and also with people who have never been a part of the church, then we have to repent from our old ways of being the church. We have to repent from our old expectations that people will just wander in and find out how nice and friendly we are. We have to engage in new and different ways. This is scary, I know. Lord knows I didn't want to change, though I've been doing a lot of that over the last couple of years. But I have some good news. We're already starting to do this. We've been taking baby steps for the last five months. We have started to get out of our comfort zone. And that's great. We only begin to grow once we get outside of our comfort zones. This is how we live into the grace that's described in Revelation and in the passage from the prophet Ezekiel. This is what it means to be given a new heart and a new spirit. When God grants us a new heart and a new spirit, we are called, we are obligated to put it to use. Repentance is not a single event. It's a continuous call to relationship and engagement. This is a call for all of us, not just pastors, but all of us, we have to practice relationship and serve as witnesses to Christ's love for the whole world. We have to engage with people who believe differently and who don't speak our language. We have to learn to speak to them in ways they can hear and on the platforms they inhabit. Only then can we proclaim to them that Jesus is Lord and he will reign forever and ever. Hallelujah, hallelujah, forever and ever. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Thanks be to God. Amen.